Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Uh, we are going to this morning uh, continue our series here. I, I want to dive right in and um, ask you to turn with me over to fir- the book of 1 John, if you would. Uh, we're going to look at 1 John um, chapter number 3 this morning. We will, I'll share a lot of different passages of Scripture with you, um, and we'll get to all of these. Um, but the one that I want to ask you to turn to this morning is here in 1 John. We're continuing our series, Our Spiritual DNA, because I think that what God wants us as a congregation to do is to recognize what He has woven inside of every single one of us that walk in relationship with Him. And so we could call that our spiritual DNA, to put that on some physical terms, if you will. I think sometimes that we forget the significance of our relationship with Jesus Christ and His Spirit that the Scripture tells us that He has given to live inside of us as the temple of His Spirit. And we, I think, need to um, pause for a few uh, Sundays here at the beginning of this year to recognize our spiritual DNA. And one of the things that I believe the enemy does once we enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, and so we receive the blood that he shed on the cross to pay our sin debt, but then accept his spirit to walk in the holiness that he has called us to. One of the things that the enemy always does is he attempts to steal our spiritual identity. I want to say that again because I think it's so important for us. The enemy always works to steal our spiritual identity. And in the scripture this morning, we're going to take a look at how the enemy is attacking and how the enemy uh, wants to destroy who we are in Jesus Christ. We hear a lot these days about identity theft. We hear a lot, and there are tons of different companies that you can go hire that can protect your identity so that if your debit card is stolen or if your mail is stolen or if your social security number is stolen, there are all kinds of firms that you can hire to be able to put your identity back together. And a lot of times, that is a process that goes on for years and years and years and years. And it is a fight. And let me tell you, if you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, allow the enemy to steal your spiritual identity and who God created you to be, it is a fight to get that identity back. And so I believe what God wants us to recognize is our spiritual identity so that we can be set free from the chains in this world and we are able to operate 
as a follower of Jesus Christ in exactly who he created us to be. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, this is my favorite verse, and it's one that um, you will hear me talk about often. It comes up countless times in sermons. It uh, will be a passage of Scripture that I um, will quote. It'll be a passage of Scripture if we're together. Um, I will quote this passage of Scripture. And it is a, it, this microphone is driving me crazy this morning. And my iPad has quit working. And um, I can't put my slides up here. So um, if you will just give me just a moment... Um, Jordan, would you take this? And it says manual connection. I don't know what the manual part of that is, but I know that you have the, you know the manual part of that. Um, this is what John 10, 10 says. It's my favorite passage of scripture. And it is a reminder, I think, of who we are in Jesus Christ, in our spiritual identity. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the work of the enemy. The enemy wants to steal your spiritual identity so that he can kill your relationship with Jesus Christ and thereby destroy you, not only in the flesh, but in the spiritual realm. What Jesus has given to us, and these are his words in John 10.10, 10, what Jesus has given to us is the work that the enemy does, but also the work that he has come to do. Jesus said, the thief wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he says, I have come so that you may have life, and I like the translation that says, more abundantly, or abundantly. This is the work that is happening all around us all of the time. The enemy is at work to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came, to, Jesus came in the flesh to overcome and to eliminate the works of the enemy. His work to steal, to kill, and destroy. So that we are able to live an abundant life in relationship with him. And so the way that we know what is the enemy's work, it's anything that is working in your life to steal, to kill, and destroy. Thank you. And what the enemy always does is try to pervert the work of God and try to line himself up as close as he can to lure us away. But let me tell you, if you don't know your spiritual identity, if you don't know what we looked at last week in 2 Peter about his divine power giving you everything that you need to live a godly life, then you are at risk of losing or walking away from your spiritual identity. Now I want you to hear me when I say this, because this is important for you. Jesus will never walk away from you. He's not going to do it. Why would he come and why would he give himself on the cross when he prayed in the garden, we see Jesus saying, God, I don't want to do this, but I know that this is your will. But if it is, if it is, if it is any way possible, let this go away from me. But he willingly stood and walked in obedience of what God had him to do. He would never come to die on the cross to defeat what the enemy was stealing and killing and destroying in humanity so that we could have an abundant life to abandon you. He does not abandon you. But you can walk away from your spiritual identity. 
The enemy is going to lure. The enemy is going to tempt. The enemy is going to provide opportunity. But, but, in Jesus Christ, we are safe and we are secure. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us an abundant life. Another great passage of Scripture that I think is important for us to remember comes from Second Paul's writings in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, listen, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is the promise for us as followers of Jesus Christ. The old you, once you enter into relationship with Jesus, the old you does not exist any longer. You become created brand new. And what the enemy will always do to you is he will take you back to where you once were before you were in relationship with Jesus Christ, and he will try to define you as that person. And if we don't understand our spiritual identity, who we are in Christ, we don't stand in the newness that he has created us to be, but we want to go back and say, no, this is who I am. Let me tell you, I love Bill Gaither music. I grew up on Bill Gaither music. I can sing number 316 in our hymnal, the family of God, without needing any of the words uh, and holding it in front of me. We can turn over a few pages and we can talk about, we can read uh, the newness that he has created us. I can, I can go through a lot of the, the Gaither hymns, but I have to tell you, I have to tell you there's one that I can't stand because Bill Gaither was wrong on this one. He wrote the old song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We think that's a great song, right? It, we could, I, I could sing the chorus of that song to you. I, I can hear the cathedral quartet singing that song in a concert. It's a great thought for a song. And we have probably tried to define ourselves in that way, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But what we find in the scripture is that you were, in the past tense, a sinner. And he has created you to be new. So when we say, I am a sinner, no, no, no. You have lost your spiritual identity. Because the scripture tells us that we are new. And we can't even accept what was in our past because it has completely been erased in Jesus Christ. We cannot say Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Because listen, your address in Christ has changed. You were a sinner. And once you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, you become the righteousness of God. You were a sinner. Now you may go back and you may try to identify over here in your sin. 
And you may go back and you may say, I'm not going to rely on the strength the Holy Spirit has given to me. I'm going to come over here and I want to spend a little time in this sin. In those moments, the righteousness of God has walked away from the power in the relationship with Jesus Christ and you have allowed the enemy to steal, attempt to kill, and destroy your relationship because you left the newness that God has created you in. Listen. You need to understand your spiritual identity so that when the enemy is attacking you, you're able to stand in the righteousness of God. Jesus did not come so that you could remain in your sins. He came so that you can be set free and walk away from your sins. And that is your spiritual identity. That is who God created you to be. That is who God is asking us, Whitechapel, to stand and shine to this community as. As a child of the living God, who once was a sinner, but now stands as the righteousness of God because of what Christ has done in us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 through 10, that's the introduction, so we'll get to the sermon here in just a minute. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 through 10. Listen to the words of John. Now, if there was any words that we should listen to in the Scripture, it's the words of John. All of Scripture, all of the Scripture we should listen to. But there's just something amazing to me when I read John's words. Who was with Christ? Who had reason to deny who Christ was? But he saw the works of Jesus Christ in the flesh. He was exiled and left to die on an island because he proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah. And here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, John says, But you know that he appeared, that's Jesus, so that he might take away our sins. And in him, that's Jesus, is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, he's writing to us as well. Do not let anyone lead you astray. Do you know what John is in essence saying right here? Don't let anyone lead you astray. He's saying don't walk away from your spiritual identity. Don't walk away from who you are in relationship with Jesus Christ. John is saying, listen, these are some significant words, followers of Jesus Christ. And you cannot let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy your spiritual identity. Verse 7, he says, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray he who does what is right is righteous just as he that's Jesus is righteous he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Listen to verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are 
and who the children of the devil are. This is your litmus test. He says, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. You want a test of your relationship with Jesus Christ? John says, this is it. Stop the sinning and keep loving your brother. Stop sinning and keep loving your brother. This is your spiritual identity. This is who God wants us to stand and be, Whitechapel. These words of John are for us on this second Sunday in 2021. I believe that he wants us to stand, stop the sinning, and keep loving our brother. Stop the deadness of where we used to be. Leave the old man in the old manness and stand in the newness that he has for us. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, this is, this is what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I have been crucified. Why? Because the old man, the old sinful Michael, is over here. It was crucified, and it does not exist any longer. And that's why we know that we are no longer sinner, identified as, in Christ as a sinner, but instead as the righteousness of God, because the old is gone. We were crucified with Christ. And what happens when something dies? If you don't bury it, it stinks, right? I grew up in southeast Missouri. In southeast Missouri, we had these rabbits. Now, I'm not talking about the little rabbits like we have here. You know, the pretty little brown wild rabbits with the little pretty little bushy tail that hops around in the yard. I'm talking about rabbits. Swamp rabbits. Big, big rabbits that have teeth the size of the elephant tusk that you might think is in, in Africa. Maybe that's not true, but it seems like when they smile at you, they've just got these amazing huge teeth. And these rabbits just go everywhere, you know. They multiply like rabbits, right? They're everywhere. And once in a while, I, I grew up on a, on a gravel road, and once in a while, you would find one of these rabbits, or it might, it might be a raccoon, and armadillo, a possum or something that decides that he wants to come across the road and he doesn't quite make it across the road and the animal is laying there dead. That animal after a day stinks. That animal after two, three, four days really, really, really stinks. Why? Because it is dead. And things that are dead, because as the Lord said, uh, or as, as, as Mary and Martha said about Lazarus, they stinketh. They need to be buried. What is dead does not belong above the ground. It needs to be buried. Because if it is not buried, it begins to stink. 
And what some of us have done with our old self that was crucified with Christ is we haven't buried it. We have not said to our old self, our old sinner self, I'm going to bury you. I'm going to put it away. I don't want to see it any longer. I don't want it sitting around any longer. I'm going to bury my old self so that it is completely gone. Because if we allow that old sinful self to hang around, what always happens is we discover that it stinks. You've got to walk away from your old self. You've got to bury your old self and stop giving it CPR to try to bring it back into the present. Because it is the old self that was crucified with Christ and it does not exist any longer. Paul said, it is not I, that old self, that lives any longer, but instead it is Christ that lives in me. You will only understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You will only understand your spiritual identity if you put away the old sinfulness and stand in the righteousness of God. Again, this is who I believe that God is calling us to be, Whitechapel. And what is happening is that some of us are exhausted in our relationship with Christ because we are taking this old self and trying to give it CPR and trying to revive it and thinking that's who we are. But that is not who you are. You are new in Christ. So I ask you this morning, which identity in the flesh which identity do you identify with this is important and you have to answer this question today do you like the old sinful self do you like some of the things that you may have had in your past that make you feel good or they boost your ego or they make you seem important do you like some of these old things and some of the things that the enemy is using to steal, kill, and destroy who you are in Christ? Do you keep coming back to your past and trying to revive some of these things? Is that who you are allowing to define who you are in Christ? Are you standing as Christ living in you? Are you standing as the righteousness child of God that he created you to be. Where do you identify with? Who is it that you keep going back to and trying to define what's happening around you? What would you say is your standing before Almighty God? Is it over in the sinfulness? Is it over in the things of the past? Or it is it in the right now where Christ is living in you? I think what some of you need to do today is some of us need to remind the enemy that the past is not going to define me. But instead, I am a blood-bought child of the living King. I am an heir with Jesus Christ. So what are you allowing the enemy, the enemy to define you as? 
Are you standing day in and day out saying, I am a blood-bought child of the living King? I am an heir with Jesus Christ? Or I am allowing the enemy to steal my spiritual identity and I keep coming back in the past and I keep digging things up that God wants to be buried and I keep coming back over here and I keep falling into the enemy's trap and his pattern of stealing and killing and destroying. Where do you stand or where do you find your status? Where do you find your identity? What is your standing from God? I know, I know what he sees when he sees you. I know that if he were to stand before us, and he were to speak directly over us who we are, what our spiritual identity is. It is not in the past. It is not in the deadness of that old man of sin. But instead, it is in who he has created you and called you to be with a blood-bought child of the living king and an heir with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, this is what Paul says. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. I like the way that this passage of Scripture says. What Paul is essentially saying here in this, this great, amazing letter to the church is that you are no longer in your past. Sin forces you to be a stranger to God. Sin forces you to be a foreigner to God. And what Paul is saying, that's not who you are any longer. Paul is telling you what your spiritual identity is. You are no longer any stranger or a foreigner, but fellow citizens with the saints the household of God. That's who you are. Paul calls you in relationship with Jesus Christ a saint. He calls you the household of God. We don't have to get the elders up here. And we don't have to start taking votes on who we want to make saints. We don't have to decide, oh, this person's a saint. This one has not met the qualifications for saint. Because when Jesus called you out of your sins and he pulled you up out of your deadness and you walked in relationship with him, Paul says, you're not a foreigner any longer. You are a saint because he paid the price for your spiritual identity. And we can't go back there anymore. Listen, Whitechapel Church. In the core of my being, long before we moved here nine, ten days ago, I believe that this was a significant, very important message that God needed us to hear. Before we go to where He is leading us, wherever that may be, we have to understand and live daily and operate in our spiritual identity. Because if we keep going back to the deadness of where we were, we will always make room for the enemy. So saints of God, blood-bought children of the Most High God, heirs with Jesus Christ, where are you defining yourself? Where are you giving the enemy just a little room to attempt to steal to attempt to kill and destroy? Do you need to stand in the abundant life that he is calling you to? 
Do you need to walk away from the deadness of the past? Do you need to say, I'm not going to go back there any longer? And I'm going to stand in the spiritual identity that he has for me. Today, I will say to you, for you, for every single one of us, is a day of choosing. It's a day for you to make a choice. It's a day of reckoning, if you will. To where you say, I'm not going back there any longer. I know where I was back there. I know that old deadness in my sin and in my trespasses. And I'm not going to any longer allow that to define who I am today in Jesus Christ. Amen. Or do you maybe just need to stand in the power and in the authority that he's already given to you? Maybe you don't go back often to that old deadness. Maybe you don't go back and try to dig up that which was buried and was crucified in Christ. Maybe, maybe that's not something that you do. Maybe you just need to accept that spiritual authority, and maybe you just need to start standing in that, and you need to re start reminding the enemy every single day, this is who I am in Christ. There are two things that I want you to proclaim every day when you wake up. Two things. I'm not going to ask you to go in your journal this week and answer any questions. I'm not going to give you something to sit with in your journal. I just want to give you two things that I want you to remind yourself of every single day. And the first is that you have overcome the world. Now, obviously, it's nothing that we did. It's nothing that Michael Chambliss actually went out, and I went to battle with the enemy, and I defeated the enemy. That's not how it works. It's the spirit that lives inside of me that has overcome the world. And so therefore, I have overcome the world. So when you see the enemy at work, the first thing you need to remind yourself, and you need to speak it out loud so that the enemy hears it. The enemy can't read your mind. The enemy isn't operating within the... the, the um, He's not operating within the wires and the crosses within your brain unless you are living back here in the deadness and you've given yourself to the enemy. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it is important for you to speak this out so that you hear it and so the enemy hears it. I have overcome the world. And the second thing that I want to ask you to remind yourself of every day is Christ lives in me. Because if we stop with the first one, what happens is we think, oh, look what I have done. But if we always go to the second one, Christ lives in me. Listen, that is your spiritual identity. Listen, that is your power. That is what can cause you to have the strength to get out of bed and face a dark, crazy world. Because we've overcome the world. And Christ lives in us. This is our spiritual identity. This is who God has created us to be. People that live in relationship with Him, in overcoming the world, and Him living in us so that He can live through us. Now, it's no secret, this past week, as we watched this formal process that our Constitution has laid out, 
go through this process. And political powers that be, making statements on one side and statements on the other side, and I think all of us were saddened to watch our capital be overrun. Listen, if you don't understand your spiritual identity, you're going to get pulled into those battles. If you don't understand that you've already overcome the world and Christ lives in you, what's going to happen is that you are going to start to fall prey to the left, the right, the liberals, the conservatives, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Green Party, this party, that. And you're going to fall into all of these little boxes and you're going to start to be used as a ploy that the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy. Because listen, they haven't overcome the world. They've not overcome the world. And what I saw happening all across the world were Christians saying, where do we go? Where do we go? What do we do? How do we get this person into office? How do we keep this person out of office? How do we do this? How do we do that? And we're, we're crying out about what's happening in, in Washington. Where do we go? Where do we go? What do we do? Listen, it's not where you go. It's who you go to. And let me tell you, if you don't know your spiritual identity, you're going to be grasping for straws the way that we saw our country grasping for straws last week. Our country did not overcome the world. Our country does not live in us. And I love the United States of America. But it was Jesus who overcame the world. It is Jesus that lives in me. And only as followers of Jesus Christ, when we stand and we remind ourselves of things, will we stop worrying about what's happening in Washington and start worrying about what's happening in our neighbor's lives. If you take a look at John chapter 3 and verse 10, John said there's two things to know to know that you have grasped your spiritual identity. The first is that you stop this sinning business. And the second is that you love your brother. The way that I'm saying to you today that you do that is by you reminding yourself every single day, I have overcome the world and Christ lives in me. Where are you allowing others and where are you allowing the enemy to define you? Where, oh brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, have you allowed the enemy just a little foothold to steal your spiritual identity? Where have you maybe given up some of the battle? And you said, I just can't live in this rat race any longer. That today, you need to surrender to him. In just a minute, Pastor Jordan and our worship team is going to come back up. And we're going to sing a song that we sang a little bit earlier. I am who you say I am. I've been set free. I'm a child of God. I've overcome the world because Christ lives in me. And as we sing this song in just a few moments, I want you to make this your declaration before we leave here this morning.
I want you to sing this song as your prayer to launch into this year. This is who I am proclaiming that I am. I'm not going back over here in the deadness that I used to be. I'm not going to let the enemy tell me that I am a sinner. I'm not going to let the enemy define who I am. And I'm not going to let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy my spiritual, identi- my spiritual identity. But instead, I'm going to stand as an overcomer. I'm going to stand as a child of the blood-bought king. I'm going to stand as an heir for Jesus Christ. I am going to stand because Christ lives in me. This song I want you to sing is your prayer of declaration to him. That you are not going to let anybody define you. But you are going to stand in the spiritual DNA that he has given to each and every one of you. Would you stand with me? Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your presence here with us today. We thank you. We thank you that you created us to be in relationship with you, your children, with all of the rights and privileges that you have given to us. And so, Lord, this morning, I just ask that you would speak to each one of us. I just ask that you would begin revealing some things to us that may have been in our past that we keep going back to and we keep trying to dig up out of the grave and we keep trying to bring them in the present. We stand against those things right now in Jesus' name and cast them down under our feet. The enemy has no stronghold on your children. And today, we break those chains through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. This is a declaration over these things. And the enemy cannot go into our past and try to take that identity and bring it into our present or our future. We declare that through your authority, we have overcome the world. And you, Christ, live in us. So Lord, in this moment, speak to us. In this moment, reveal some things to us. Open our eyes to the spiritual identity that you have given to us. Father, we lift you up. We praise you. We worship you. We welcome you here today. Now let your spirit work. Let your spirit move. Let your spirit set the captives free here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.